My name is John Cullen, and I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and curling. It's the story of Broomgate, how a single broom, yes, a broom, turned friends into foes and almost killed the 500-year-old sport of curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate, available now. You're listening to a Frequency Podcast Network production. When my Spotify wrapped arrived this year, I was excited, perhaps embarrassingly so. And why is that? Well, it's because this year is the first one since my child was born that my Spotify account has been separate from the family account. Now, if you use Spotify or you use any streaming service and you have children, you know what this means. It means that finally, the algorithm is analyzing me and me alone. No more songs about cats or having my number one song for a third straight year be Call Me Maybe. Finally, this behemoth of a streaming service would use all of its AI power to stare directly into just my musical soul and tell me who I really am. Now, am I aware that this is a marketing tool? Do I understand that Spotify's business model is fundamentally altering what it means to be a musician today? Do I wonder how people like myself and probably many of you can continue to obsessively use this service while also claiming to love and cherish the artists that struggle to make a living because of it? Will I share my Spotify wrapped top artist with you at the end of this interview? Yes, to all of those questions. I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. This is The Big Story. Kelsey McKinney is a writer, a reporter, and a podcaster. The podcast, you may have heard of it, is called Normal Gossip. The writing and reporting is mostly done at Defector, where she wrote about the phenomenon, I guess, that is Spotify (laughs) wrapped, Kelsey. Yeah, you could call it a phenomenon. I mean, it's everywhere, so we're forced to look at it. Well, just for those people who uh, might have been living under a rock or uh, stubbornly refuse, and I respect them for this, to join the streaming revolution, um, just sum up what Spotify Wrapped is. Sure, yeah. I mean, I envy anyone who is living under the kind of rock where you do not have to confront Spotify Wrapped. It seems (laughs) like a peaceful and nice life. So if you listen to music and podcasts and now audiobooks on Spotify with any consistency at all, at the end of the year, the company puts out a kind of very stylized marketing package where they have used uh, artificial intelligence to create little graphics that tell you what you spent your year listening to. So those are things like who your top artists are, what your top songs were, what kind of, you know, genres you like and genres you don't like. And then every year they add little like fluffy special things. Like this year, their big shareable graphic was which city in the United States has the same listening preferences as you. What's yours? Mine was Burlington, Vermont, along with, um, I think, everyone who listened to Boy Genius. Oh, there you go. So a good proportion of us. Mine was, uh, and I asked people at the beginning of this to guess my artist that I'll reveal at the very end. Mine was Missoula, USA. I don't know what that, if that gives anybody a hint or not, but I think it's like pretty unique. 
wow, I can't wait to hear who that artist is. I haven't heard anyone who got Missoula. So congratulations on being special. There we go. Um, but that's what this is about, right? Like that's what um, the concept behind Spotify Wrapped is, right? It can either be like really affirming or really embarrassing or really unique. Totally. The graphics themselves are made to share. They're very easy to export. So you can add them to your Instagram story. They're already sized correctly for you to do free marketing for Spotify. But I think part of the joy of Spotify Wrapped and what they are capitalizing on is the fact that people like to share the culture that they like. Right. Right. You want to know what your friends are listening to. Just how popular is this thing? And you touched on it a minute ago, but what does it do for Spotify? Why is it so important to them, not to us? I think it's so important to Spotify because it creates a round of, if not positive, neutral press for Spotify. I would say it is probably positive in that people are sharing these graphics. And one of the most powerful forms of marketing is creating fear of missing Mm -hmm. out in other people. So if you use, for example, Apple Music, which is another perfectly normal streaming platform to use, you don't get the shiny special marketing graphics that Spotify made for all of its listeners on the same day where they're all talking about it. And so they create a kind of atmosphere where if you don't use Spotify, you start questioning like if you should. Hmm. Maybe that's how I should be listening to music if that's what all of my friends are talking about. I really liked your piece at Defector, and I, I want to talk about uh, your theory. I guess it's, yeah, I guess it's a theory uh, on why why we love these things so much. And like, obviously, Spotify Wrapped is at the very top of the list, but it, it's funny to notice um, some of the copycats we've seen. I mean, I think I'm going to get sometime in the next few weeks something from Uber telling me uh, what restaurants nearby I've patronized the most and that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. What is it within us that is so uh, attracted to these kind of summaries, even though they can reveal uh, maybe things that uh, we're not so proud of? Yeah, we see these happening from every single app now, right? Because it's been so popular for Spotify, you're seeing it with Uber Eats, you're seeing it with Grubhub. They did one for even Be Real last year, which is a kind of silly thing to get a wrapped of. What is Be Real? It's an app where you take a photo every day at the same time as everyone else. Ah, and so you get a wrapped <laughs> that's your photo at the same time. Okay. Yeah, exactly. But I think that we like those things because the end of the year is culturally, a time when we're doing a lot of retrospective work, right? What happened this year that I'm proud of? What happened this year that I'm not proud of? Who am I? And so at a kind of meta level, I think that Spotify Wrapped and all of these wraps function as a kind of mirror where these apps that we use every day are telling us, here's who we think you are. Mm-hmm. And so seeing that can be really affirming in the same way that seeing a picture where you think that you look good can be really affirming, or it can be really unaffirming and upsetting to see that, you know, Spotify thinks that you only listen to the wheels on the bus go round and round because you have a three-year-old. Right. (laughs) I actually got, uh, we have the Spotify family now, which we didn't have before. So this is, in fact, the first year that my own Spotify wrapped is not uh, inundated with kids' music. Yeah, I'm really happy for you. So Taylor's not in my top five for the first time in like five years. Sorry, T. But she is in your family top five. Oh, yeah. No question. (laughs) I mean, she's in everybody's top five. Um, Listen, Spotify is a business. Mm -hmm. Uh, Wrapped is free marketing for them. As you mentioned, it's important because it's at least neutral, if not positive marketing. And while we're all busy, like staring at our own musical reflections, how is Spotify making money and and how is their business model continuing to evolve? (laughs) Well, yeah. So 
Streaming companies like Spotify have really complicated business models. Spotify makes all of their money almost off of people's subscription fees. So you pay a monthly subscription fee to get ad-free or you don't pay a subscription money and Spotify makes money off of the ads that they're selling for these services. Mm -hmm. So all of that money is coming from people, individuals listening to music. Right. And it's important to note that Spotify is not a company that is really making anything. Hmm. Like with the exception of Spotify Wrapped and some playlists, Spotify is a company that is a distributor more than anything in the same way that like Barnes and Noble is a distributor of books or Virgin Megastore used to be a distributor of records. They don't make anything. They're not a label. They're not artists. They have tried in several different ways to become those things. And as we're seeing as the year ends, they are laying off people on those teams left and right. So they've failed. And I think that Spotify's goal is to make you as a consumer believe that you are supporting artists by using Spotify, when in reality, you are supporting Spotify. (laughs) Right. And that's why if you look at it as a simple like cost in, uh, cost out model, the more they can charge you for a subscription, the more money they make, Mm -hmm. and the less they can pay out to artists per stream, the more money they make. Mm -hmm. I wasn't aware that Spotify continually updates and changes the amount it pays out per stream. Yeah. So Spotify is kind of a black box in a lot of ways. They don't really want people to know exactly how much money they're paying people and exactly why or how and how their algorithm works. So we know, for example, that artists who have more listeners who are premium Spotify players get higher royalties per stream, which is a deranged way to run an algorithm to say that like, because your fans are richer and pay our company more money, you get more money per song play. And that is like one thing that they have revealed. They have not revealed basically anything else. And we know based on what artists are reporting and based on what the Union of Musicians and Allied Workers has said over and over again, that the rate that they are paying per stream is dropping. So in 2018, the average royalty rate was something like $0.0054 per stream. That number has dropped significantly in only two years. The expectation is that it will be even less two years from now. So they are creating a system in which they pay artists less and less for the same product. In your piece, you uh, broke it down in a very straightforward way that people can, I think, identify with in terms of how much uh, you need to listen to your favorite artists on Spotify rap to make them some money. Can you share that with us? Sure. Yeah. For most artists on Spotify, you need to listen to a song 300 times for an artist to earn one (laughs) dollar. Wow. That's crazy. It is. It's crazy. And it's also, I think, because we are used to getting music for free now, it's something that people don't think about. Like your most played song, if you look at your Spotify raps, it'll tell you how much you listen to it. Mine was 19 times. So I didn't even make my favorite artist a buck. Exactly. Yeah. And people who listen to the same song over and over again, they're usually that number is still under a dollar yeah. for the artist, which is you spent a whole day listening to this song and you paid the person who made it a dollar. In 2007, TV network CBS dropped 40 kids in the middle of the New Mexico desert as part of a brand new reality show. 
these kids would have to build their own society from scratch. And if this sounds like Lord of the Flies to you, well, it was meant to. We were on this mission together. We were going to prove to the world that we could make a better society than adults could. I'm Josh Gwynn, and I want to know what this wild TV experiment was really about. Split Screen, Kid Nation, a six-part podcast from CBC. Available now. There's been a lot of discussion about the future of the music industry and, you know, obviously the decline of physical media. And it's funny that you said, you know, we're used to getting music for free because it feels that way to us. Mm -hmm. But of course, we're not getting music for free. We're getting music by paying Spotify. Exactly. And that's the thing that is, I think, scary about the Spotify wrapped is that it is so beautiful and it's so easy to share that it is easy to forget that this is a company that artists themselves are saying and have been saying for almost a decade now is destroying their careers. (laughs) Can we quantify that in any way, like what it's done to the music industry over the past decade as we've moved from uh, mostly album sales to mostly uh, streams? You can, and there are certainly people who have those exact numbers. I don't have them off the top of my head, but you look at an industry that has drastically swung from a height of CDs where the music industry had never made more money. And you saw a lot of artists just become multimillionaires overnight because people went out and bought, you know, Oops, I Did It Again at Virgin Records stores. For $18.99. For $18.99, exactly. And now you can listen to Oops, I Did It Again on Spotify 5,000 times and not pay $18. And I don't want to sound like this is just picking on Spotify uh, specifically because, you know, you mentioned Apple Music uh, and maybe their royalties are a little better. There are other streaming services out there. And also, like, streaming music, while I kind of hate what it's doing to artists, is a service that solves problems for people. It helps Mm -hmm. people find new music. Uh, It helps them bring music with them without having to tote around, uh, obviously, a a million CDs. Yeah. But you see the people who are sharing their wrapped, they have... 60, 70,000 minutes of music listened to. Like, these are people that deeply love music and love discovering artists, and they must know that this is a service that is hurting those artists they're trying to find. And how do we reckon with that? (laughs) Yeah, I think, yeah, you're absolutely right. Like, I'm making Spotify the bad guy here, but the bad guy is streaming at large, right? And people who bought into streaming at large very early on are organizations like Labels, who made choices that put artists in a bad position. And so you're right that there is not like one bad guy here. Like all streaming, even Tidal, which is a service that has the best and most transparent terms for artists at this time, is still streaming. You're still making less than you would have made on a CD. And I think, you know, as much as I know all of these things, can write about them, can speak about them, I use Spotify. Yeah. I listen to music there. I got my Spotify wrapped and I enjoyed looking at it. And I think that that is not something that I am proud of. But I think the benefit of streaming has always been that it is infinite. Mm -hmm. You can listen to anything at any time. And it is beautifully designed and easy to use. Like, you can log on to Spotify and listen to an album that your parents played in 12 seconds. And that is a kind of magical thing to have at your fingertips. And it's hard to break yourself of that habit once you have access to it. What do you tell yourself? 
Uh, what I tell myself is that I support artists in other ways. So my rule is that if I have put an album on repeat at any point, I try to buy it on vinyl hmm. because that is a, a format that the artist gets a good chunk of money from. And I try to see a lot of live music because touring is the way that most bands make their money right now. And so even though that is an imperfect system, it's the one that I've had to allow me to live with myself. <laughs> if all this is so good for Spotify and so crappy for artists... Why is Spotify the one laying off people at this time of year? <laughs> How is their actual business model doing? I think this is kind of the funniest part about something like Spotify is that these organizations are not really profitable. They don't make a ton of money. I mean, they say that they don't make a ton of money, right? They're paying out their CEOs plenty of huge Christmas bonuses. Sure. But the reason they're laying off people is that Spotify is doing something that a lot of new media has done for a decade now, which is try to pivot to whatever they think is going to be the most profitable in the next year. So for a little bit, that was in-house podcasts, right? They, they bought up several major, really good podcast companies like Gimlet is a great example of this. And they brought them in-house. And then, you know, two, three years later, they realized that they're not really making as much money off of prestige podcasts that never really made all that much money as they had hoped that they would. And so they lay all those people off. So like this week, they announced that they're killing Heavyweight, which is a I mean, nationally renowned podcast that has won tons of awards. Sure, and stolen, um, which is has won a Pulitzer Prize. Yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of mind-boggling to watch a company invest so heavily in something and then decide that they don't want to anymore, basically overnight. And we've seen this, I think, with other tech companies, right, who take on uh, new stuff and take on more expenses and hire more people, all with the hope that eventually enough people will flock to the platform to really make it worthwhile. And then the bill comes due. Like, yeah. So I guess what I'm asking you, I know you don't know the answer, but like what's next, right? What, how, do we, how do we turn this around? Yeah, that is a really complicated question for people much smarter than me. My assumption is that Spotify is a tech company. So we see the same kind of problems with Spotify that we see with a company like Uber. And I think, you know, if you've read, Mike Isaac wrote this great book called Super Pumped about the foundation of Uber and about how Uber never really made any money, but a bunch of rich people in Silicon Valley thought it would make money. And so they just dumped money into it over time so that it became this behemoth that we basically can't get rid of. And I think the same is kind of true for Spotify. You have a lot of people who invested a lot of money in this platform and have a lot at stake in it not dying. That is not good. So I'm sure that there's some legislation that could be done to stop situations like that. I think from a consumer perspective, the best thing that we can do is to make sure that we are sending money directly to the artists that we like, be that through tour sales or merch sales or buying albums physically. Right. And I think being ready to support artists when and if they decide that they're done with Spotify. Like, I think there is a version of the future in which musicians unionize or go on strike or pull all their music from Spotify. And that's going to be a really frustrating few months for consumers. And that is where we need to be ready to like stand in solidarity with them. And that will be a really interesting time because the other thing 
that Spotify does, aside from the wrapped, which is nice and fun and great marketing, mm -hmm. is it allows you to curate it, right? Yeah. The way you would normally have curated your uh, giant tower of CDs or whatever. And like, I look at my Spotify and when I'm listening to it, I'm mostly listening to playlists I have made. Yes. And there's no way to take those with me. So if I if I decide that like I'm making a stand here, um, I'm standing with the artists, I'm going to Apple Music or I'm going to Tidal because they have the best deal. Right. Um, those are gone. And that's like, that's something, those playlists like mean a lot to me. Yeah, I think this is one of the hardest things about digital media that, I mean, activists have been yelling about for a decade now is that nothing digitally that is hosted on another company's platform belongs to you. Yep. So the most obvious example of this recently is that PlayStation decided that they would stop hosting a few different major streaming companies on their platform. And so anyone who had purchased media, purchased movies, purchased TV shows on PlayStation through those streaming services lost them. Right. So you purchase something, theoretically, <laughs> that you can no longer access and that no longer belongs to you because the company decided they didn't want to host it anymore. And I think that that is going to be a real problem in the next decade of people realizing like, oh, a lot of these things that I paid good money for to theoretically own were never actually given to me and can just be withheld at random. So yeah, I think you should back up your playlists. <laughs> Excellent. Um, Kelsey, this has been so much fun and uh, really informative. What's your number one on your Spotify rap? Is it Boy Genius? Oh my God, no, it wasn't Boy Genius. It was um, this band, MJ Linderman, who I really like. I will check them out. Thank you. Um, who got you Missoula? <laughs> Jason Isbell and the 400 unit. Oh, interesting. I am a white male who used to be a sports writer. It is <laughs> so on brand that um, I, I can't even I can't even argue with it. Yeah, sometimes a mirror is a mirror. <laughs> there you go. And fair enough. And also, speaking of supporting artists, the only artist I went to see live this year. So ah, I did my bit. Well, see, you did it. <laughs> Kelsey, thanks again. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Kelsey McKinney, writing in Defector and podcasting on Normal Gossip. That was The Big Story. For more from us, you can head to thebigstorypodcast.ca. You can also find us on Twitter at TheBigStoryFPN. You can write to us. I will give you bonus points and mention you on this podcast in an outro. If you can guess two of the remaining four artists on my Spotify wrapped. Nobody's going to be able to do this, so I'm not going to have to do it. But listen, there's four other artists on there. If you can get two of them, I will mention you right here, give you a big shout out. You can't do it, so don't even worry. The address is hello at thebigstorypodcast.ca. You can also call us, leave us a voicemail, that number 416-935-5935. Joe Fish is the lead producer of The Big Story. Robin Simon is a producer on this show as well. Stephanie Phillips, our showrunner. Mary Jubrin, our digital editor. Diana Kay, our manager of business development. I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings, your host and executive producer, thanking you for listening all year. If we're on your Spotify wrapped, we are so grateful. And if you want to share it, we'd love to see it. But there's no need to. You can keep your podcast and musical tastes private if you want. Regardless, thanks for listening. We have In This Economy for you tomorrow. And we'll be back with the big story on Monday.
2007, TV network CBS dropped 40 kids in the middle of the New Mexico desert as part of a brand new reality show. These kids would have to build their own society from scratch. And if this sounds like Lord of the Flies to you, well, it was meant to. We were on this mission together. We were going to prove to the world that we could make a better society than adults could. I'm Josh Gwynn, and I want to know what this wild TV experiment was really about. Split Screen, Kid Nation, a six-part podcast from CBC. Available now.